so yeah, uh, here we are with episode today of uh, That's All Funny. We have a professional poker player, beautiful guest, uh, Ash Kardash. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm tired. It's I don't know. It's just a gloomy day. I don't know if it's rainy over there where Third you're cup at. Of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm gonna hit my second energy drink in a little while. I'm just trying to ration it. I don't yeah. want to get drink too many of them and then not be able to sleep. I'm already uh, jittery, so. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I don't know. I'll say uh, like I'm old. Uh, that that's fine for you, younger younger people. No, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll drink coffee all day and sleep like three hours at night. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how we we uh, we are nowadays. We'd rather be jittery and be energetic than I don't know. It's it's a weird. And then I know uh, you you have like a family to kind of balance out, so that's even yeah, that's even more uh, on top of what you already do, you know. <laughs> as far as it you is, know. it's stressful, but yeah, I, I can't. Well, yeah, I, I I can imagine a little bit. I mean, I have nieces, you know, but uh, I can't imagine like your day, you know, where you have. So for the most part, the kids are with their dad because they go to a better school than where I live. So I live in a very rural town and the school system here is awful. So I have them on the weekends and like through all their school holidays and I let them like go to school um, where their dad lives. So it's just a lot more convenient for me, especially with traveling too. Oh, no, that's good. No, it's and, and I know even the argument could be that, you know, homeschooling is like all. Yeah, well, that's that's hard in itself, it, you know. Yeah. I remember uh, COVID mm -hmm. happened and then the kids were at, or at home and I was like, I can't teach these kids. I was like, I don't have the patience for this. Like, I'm going <laughs> to fire the teacher the first day. I'm drunk on the first day. I can't <laughs> <teach the kids." laughs> so well, I would that, never. That's why it, it, it takes a lot, you know, to become a teacher. It it, it's one thing to know how to do it. It's another thing to teach someone how to do it. Uh, believe me, I've worked, you know, regular jobs where you 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 know how to do it but to train someone it, it takes it's a hard. whole different yeah it's a whole different monster with your patience and the person wanting to learn you can't imagine uh you know your own kids you're there with them trying to balance out okay i'm your teacher right now i'm not your mom you know and they then, don't listen yeah and they don't no. care <laughs> <laughs> they could be the nicest kids perfect kids and they'll still rebel because that's just oh, absolutely in, that's just absolutely. in the code yeah that's that's just how kids are that's how we are uh i i know you um what inspired you to like play poker or aspired you to because uh it's it's kind of a adult game right i mean we don't really yeah. teach kids to play it or and i'm not saying you're not a, a kid or adult but i don't know if you started younger or if anyone um, showed it to you so I dated a guy and he played um, in a bar poker league and he played like little underground cash games. And um, I kind of picked up on it very fast. So I was like, you know, if I don't learn how to play poker, like this relationship is not going to last. <laughs> so I started playing these uh, bar poker leagues and um, there was a man named Howard Bros that uh, ran the chapter before he passed away. Um, he was a very sweet man and he's like, you're a really quick learner. He's like, I want to teach you how to deal. I think you'd be really good at it. So he kind of took me under his wing. Um, he taught me the basics of dealing and, you know, playing and just really taught me the love of the game. And it just kind of snowballed. It was a snowball effect. That's all I can say. Um, I started dealing for a bar league 
And then I started up my own bar league. And then in between that, I was playing cash games. And I'm like, you know, I want to do something more. So I started following the WSOP circuit. And I think that's kind of what did it for me. I followed the circuit for an entire year. And then after that, um, I met somebody that put me in contact with Ryan Feldman over at Hustler. Mm. And that's kind of what just like catapulted like my name into like the spotlight because nobody knew what I was like, who I was or where I came from or basically anything. Um, and just one thing led to another. I got to play on Max Payne Monday and my name just kind of blew up then. And I've been doing it ever since. So. Oh, yeah. that's cool. It's very, uh, I don't know what would you call it, like a rags to riches underdog story. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. Uh, it happened so fast. So I started playing three years ago. And then when I left here, um, where I left, when I left my hometown um, back in May to go play the WSOP over the summer in Vegas, I looked at my boyfriend and I was like, I have a feeling that my career is about to blow up. And that's a really hard thing to say because I don't play tournaments. I play cash for the most part. And in the poker world, like unless you really play like huge high stakes cash or you play a lot of tournaments and you have recognition from that, like you just don't get recognized. People don't know you who you are. There's a lot of great players that, you know, go their entire life being unrecognized. And it's not why I started playing poker, but it's kind of cool that this is where it ended up being. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left here and I was like, you know, I feel like my career is really about to blow up. I get out there, um, I play Max Payne, I get invited to play a CSOP tournament um, as a celebrity bounty or like a featured bounty, whatever you want to call it. And just one thing led to another. Um, I got invited to play on other streams that um, I ended up turning down at the time because of my health issues. Um, But it's just been really, really cool to see that like, I came from absolutely nothing and like playing like a free tip buy-in like at a bar poker league to now like playing like the greatest like poker show, you know, in the world. And it's just, it's so surreal because I come from a town that has like 1500 people. Like there's Mm -hmm. nothing here. Like all we have is cows, chickens and apples. And if you grow (laughs) up here, like you're stuck here for the most of your life, you know, there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of people that leave. And from the time that I was really, really young, like I remember telling myself like, this is not what I want. Like, I don't want to be stuck here being, you know, so-and-so's daughter and this is all I know. Like, I want more. I want to explore the world. So very early on, like, I left the nest, kind of made my name. I did finance work before I got into poker, and then COVID happened. And that's when I just, like, became a degenerate, I guess. I started playing bar poker all the time, and here we are now, like, three years later. So it's been pretty no. incredible. No, that that sounds amazing. And, uh, yeah, you, 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 I feel like you – I'm not saying you make it less impactful, but I'm sure it was – like a rush, like of all it these, was, you know. It was a rush. So um, the guy that I started playing, or the reason that I started playing was my ex-boyfriend. He, um, we ended up on really bad terms. Um, he was a very toxic, abusive person. Um, and I haven't really ever talked about that. Um, but one of the main things that like we argued about is that I was like, you know, I feel like I'm good enough to play professionally. Like, I want to do something more. And he's like, you'll never make it. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know how hard, like, people play. Like, he he gave himself as an example. He was a lot older than I am. And he said, I've been playing for 20 years. And, you know, I've never done anything with poker. So, like, how could you? And I'm like, just watch. Just watch. So after we broke up and, you know, we went our separate ways, I was like, you know, God, I really, really want this. And I want it bad enough. Like, I, I did the math. I was home maybe 28 days last year. 
Um, other than that, like I was playing the WSOP circuit and just playing cash games full time or dealing cards. And I just feel like every sacrifice was absolutely worth it. Um, I gave up a lot. I gave up my freedom. I gave up my friends. Um, I sacrificed a lot of time with my children and I just worked my ass off for it. I, I worked really, really hard. And I think that for the longest, I was just like, you know, I'm really undeserving of this. Like, I don't deserve it. Like, there's people who do spend a lot of time and don't get the recognition that they deserve. And for me to just come in and have it handed to me so easily, like, it just didn't feel fair. But at the same time, I feel like I worked really hard for it. So uh, it's an adjustment. It's been an adjustment period of, you know, getting used to it. Well, and and I, I believe you absolutely deserve it because, uh, of course, you know, Hearing that from your uh, past partner, you could have easily said he's right and not have done anything. But you, yeah. you, you, you know, it, it's not not saying that uh, luck maybe wasn't a part of it or the right place at the right time for you. But mm -hmm. you had to be in those places at those times. You Absolutely. had to put in the own work. So uh, to just leave it off of, well, you know, you don't deserve it. I'm, but I'm happy about it. I, I don't know. It it, it sounds like. I hate that he put you in that mindset, you know, but then also uh, good for you that you, you know, catapulted from it. I don't know if you did it out of spite <laughs> or out of like trying to prove him wrong or if or if he was a supportive person, it wouldn't have put you in that. But it's strange the way life works like that, where uh, when um, you feel like it challenges you the hardest is when you you know, reach your highest potential. I just, hey, you had to go through that, of course, it, you know. It was really, really hard, but I think ever since I was a kid, like, I just knew that I wasn't meant for, like, a normal job. Like, I can't do a 9-to-5. I have terrible ADHD, so I just couldn't do that. Like, I knew I was, like, destined for bigger things. I just never in a million years would think that, you know, poker. Poker's my strong suit or where I belong because it's very niche. Um, but... I think I get off on like proving people wrong. It's like, you can tell me, you know, you're not going to do this or, you know, you're not worthy of this or, you know, I don't know. It just always stuck with me that he was like, you know, you're no one. Like, who are you? Like, you're no one. You don't even play tournaments. Like you don't have any recognition. And I just wanted to prove him wrong. Like I wanted to prove everybody wrong. My parents were like, are you insane? Like you want to be a professional what? And I'm like, I want to be a professional poker player. And they're like, come on, like, you have a degree, like, go do something else. You have a whole business degree, like, you're just throwing it to waste. And I'm like, no, but like, I think, you know, I can do this. So my parents were really unsupportive, too. Like, my entire family thought I was just insane and that I had, like, gone off my rocker. So I was like, <laughs> you guys, just just give it a minute. Like, I'm going to prove you all wrong. Like, I got this. Just be patient with me. Um, when I started playing last year, I told myself that I would give myself a year and then at the end of that year, I'd reevaluate and see where I was at. And if I had made any kind of you know, progress that I would stick with poker. And if not, I would just go back to doing what I used to do, which was insurance. And lo and behold, God just opened up the path for me. And that it's all God. To me, it, it's all God. Um, mm -hmm. I remember I got down to a really low point where I had just gone through my bankroll. And I fell asleep praying that night. And I was like, you know, God maybe I'm not meant to do this. Maybe my parents were right. Maybe everyone else is right that, you know, this is a really tough thing to do. It's not meant for everyone. And I was ready to give up. And I was like, you know, let your will be done. 
if I'm meant to do this, then I am. And the very next day, a guy that I had mutual friends with reached out to me and he was like, I want to stake you. And he's like, and if I had any idea of like your potential or if you have any references, like I would love to stake you. I, I think you have potential and I could coach you. And he had actually staked one of my really good friends and he put in a good work for me and he picked me up and it was just endless possibilities after that. And um, he has been just the kindest person helping me get to the point that I'm at today. Um, so shout out to my backer. Um, go ahead. So. <laughs> well, no, it, I don't know. It's just amazing. Like, you know, I was reading, you know, some of your Twitter and seeing the events you play and stuff like that. And I had no idea your story was so like, like you said, rags to riches. And it seems like the people closest to you were the ones pushing you the hardest down. And it's like, man, to, to be where you're at now and prove them wrong is, is just amazing. You know, it feels uh, really great. Yeah. And, and, and then it's only, I'm sure the tip of the iceberg, like Absolutely. you're, you're, yeah, you, you still got, uh, so many other mountains to climb that I'm sure, you know, you're going to get done, uh, very easily. It's, you know, like you said, you're being catapulted up there. So nothing but, uh, you know, great thoughts for you. And I just hope it gets even better, you know? Yeah. Uh, I actually just finished up a phone call with really exciting news. So hopefully there's some big things coming towards the end of the year and I'm really excited and looking forward to that, but it's too early to speak on yet. So. Oh, I know that feeling. I hate, it's, I hate, it's, uh, what is it? What is it? Counting your eggs before they hatch. I hate. Yes. And I'm, I'm just so excited about it. I'm like, Oh my God. Like if this happens, like, this is like probably the biggest thing that's probably going to happen in my poker career. And I'm really, really excited about it. So, but then I love too. I love too, that you had a plan. You were like, okay, if this doesn't work out, I know what I'm going to do. You know, you're, yeah. you're biting the bullet, but at least it's not like, Hey, I'm putting all my chips here, you know, all my, all everything here. And if it doesn't happen, Oh shoot, I'm screwed. That's it. Game yeah, over. No, you know? I definitely, I always had a backup plan. I always had a backup plan. Um, I think that the lifestyle in itself is very romanticized and people are like, oh, like I want to be a poker player, but you always have to have at least for the most part, another source of income. It's very easy to go broke in this industry. Oh yeah. And, and it, I mean, it's super easy. I mean, I went broke oh. maybe eight months into it and I was just like, oh my God, like I don't even know like where to start, like where to find a backer. And it just fell into my lap. Like there's no other way that I can describe it. It just fell into my lap. And I was so lucky. So well, and that too. You're you're playing well too. You have it's I, I like my buddy. He plays poker, you know, online, and I, I know the rules. I'm not a very good player, uh, me personally, but I, I get the strategy of it. You have to know, you know, basically math and how what hands your opponent can have that can defeat mm -hmm. you. You know, if if like all the possibilities. So. You know, you, there's endless studying that goes into it. Absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't even sell yourself short. Yeah, I get I, I love that you have the faith and, uh, you know, that you don't uh, uninclude God in it. But it is probably a lot of you, too, that's, uh, oh. you know, making this happen. So, you know, don't sell yourself short, of Thank course. You. Thank you. <laughs> um, and where would you say? was like the, oh, uh, I see the turning point where you knew, I think we were talking about earlier, where you knew you were, were going to take this head on professionally, like, but when so, it, where it came from amateur to, you know what, no, I'm going to 
like be a professional, you know, this is it. I think last year, um, one of my friends, um, we'll call her my adoptive mom, my adoptive mom, the first ever poker tournament that she plays, she goes and wins it. She wins the ladies, uh, tournament in Cherokee, um, for like $10,000 in February of last year. So she got a seat to play the uh, tournament of champions. And she's like, Hey, like you should come out. Like it would be a lot of fun. So I ended up flying out to Vegas last summer and it was just the atmosphere. Like I could just feel how electrifying it was. And I was just like, you know, this is what I want. Like I, I want to play full time. Like this is so cool. Like just to see everybody. And for the most part, a lot of people are really inviting and they're like, Hey, like, you know, like, do you need help? Like I remember going up to a kiosk to like try to deposit money for something. And they were like, Oh, like, this is how you do it. And everybody was just super helpful. And I like just wanted it so bad. Like that was the point for me that it's like, God, like, I just don't want to go back to a regular job. Like, this is what I want to do. And my mom always told me from the time that I was really little, she was like, you know, if you're going to do something, I don't care. It may sound vulgar, but she's like, I don't care if you're a prostitute. I don't care if you're a drug dealer. I don't care what you do. As long as you are happy and you give 150%, I don't care what you do. The passion is there. As long so as I, I hit my mom with that. I was like, but wait, wait, ma'am, you told me to follow my dreams and give everything that I do 150%. And this is what I want. So I came back from Vegas because I was only out there for like the last week of the series. I come home and I talk to my parents and I'm like, I think that this is what I want to do. And I I swear they probably thought I was like losing my mind. They're like, you want to do what? And I was like, I'm just going to play for a year. If I don't do anything after this year, like I'll just call it quits. Like, you know, I just want to try it out. And I started playing consistently after that. I was probably playing like two or three WSOP stops um, every month. So I was doing that, but I wasn't playing tournaments. I was sticking to cash. I may play like a tournament here and there, but for the most part it was cash and it was doing really, really well for me. And then I was also dealing on the side. So I was dealing a really large home game. Um, and that was able to like bankroll myself for a while. And learning money management was probably the hardest thing because it's like from having like a normal paying job to all of a sudden like making like $5,000 overnight. It's like, oh my God, like this doesn't happen. Like what? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was just so surreal to me. But then I got greedy and I moved up in stakes when I wasn't ready to move up in stakes. And that kind of like, you know, it was defeating to have to move back down in stakes. But it's like, OK, realistically, like if this is what I want to do. Like sometimes you have to make sacrifices and it's OK to go back down to the bottom and then like climb yourself up. So I felt very defeated at that point. I think this happened in I want to say April in April is when I went like broke. Um, I had played a lot of like $10,000, like buy-ins, like just going through like $10,000, like almost every stop, just playing cash, like even one, three, like two, five, just being greedy. And I was drinking a lot. So mm. it's, there's no responsibility, you know, you're your own bankroll manager, you know? So I got greedy. I started drinking a lot. I was partying and I went broke. I was irresponsible. And then I was like, okay, like, this is not the way to do it. And that's when I was just like, okay, like maybe I do have to give up a little bit early. And just like the very next day, like my backer comes into my life and he's like, Hey, like I want to stake you. And he's been nothing but supportive. Um, he actually played on, um, one of the shows on Hustler Casino as well. And he's like, I think you would do really well on Max Payne. He's like, how do you feel about playing on it? And at this point, like, I didn't even know like what Hustler Casino was. I lived under a complete rock. 
<laughs> and he's like, uh, I'm going to reach out to Ryan Feldman and see what I can do. And I was like, okay. He texts me and he's like, here's Ryan Feldman's number. Like reach out to him. I reach out to him. And then I reached out to Billy, uh, DGAF on the show. And he's like, yeah, how do you feel about playing this day? Like immediately, like just doesn't even ask me like any questions. Like, how do you feel about playing on this day? And I was like, oh, like, really? Like, are you serious right now? I remember like just bawling and like telling all of my friends about it. Like those that were really, really close to me, I was just like, this is really happening. Like pinch me, like th this can't be happening. Like I'm no one, like I don't have any recognition. I don't play tournaments. Like I'm really undiscovered. Like nobody knows who I am. So for me to have that opportunity, it just, I think it changed everything. It, it absolutely changed everything. Um, and I'm really thankful for it. So. No, and I'm, I'm glad, you know, sometimes someone just needs that, uh, you know, step in the right direction, the, the rub, if they call it, I think in wrestling. Uh, so no, I'm glad you were able to get that little bit of spotlight and uh, go with it. And it, you know, you, you use it to its full potential to, get out there you know absolutely no it's amazing um what's your uh favorite hand to play is it it's not a jack four offseason <laughs> <is it>, uh... <laughs> um so when i started playing it was really 10-5 i loved playing 10-5 and everybody was like why are you playing that donkey ass hand and i'm like <laughs> well i was like listen hear me out hear me okay. out you can't hit a straight without one or the other. And that was like my whole logic behind it. I was like 10-5. Mm -hmm. And I played it all the time. And it's just not a good hand to play. And then after that, I was like, well, I got to change it to something else. So now I will forever play Ace-King because of Ash Kardashian. So <laughs> Ace-King. I was like, I was like, if I look at an Ace and then I get a King under it, oh, I'm all in. Every hand. I, I swear, my, my buddy, he's always uh, playing a King, a pair of Kings. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's like the hand that's going to kill you, a pair of kings. Yeah. I feel like there's always going to be someone out there with a pair of aces uh, <laughs> yeah. when you have the kings. Uh, but it, you can't not play a uh, pair of kings, I feel like. Absolutely. I don't know. You have to. Uh, yeah, you have to. It's a pair of kings. Um, and I know we were talking a little bit about it. Um, it you know, heaven forbid, you know, you, you weren't as successful as you are now. Where did you see yourself? kind of going not a backup plan but what would you pursue like other things besides playing poker um, what would you like to so do i'm in the restaurant business as well my parents have owned a restaurant for let's see i can't math right now like 34 years like 34 35 years um and they closed it during covid and it is being remodeled right now and i expect it to be open in january um of this coming up year so while I'm not playing poker, I still have, you know, the restaurant as my backup plan. And then before that, I did finance and insurance for car dealerships. So, okay. you know, I always have a backup plan, mm -hmm. uh, finance and just being a mom. I think I'd be living a normal life, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm sure, uh, you know, you 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 do the normal uh, life Absolutely. things. But Absolutely. yeah, of, of course, with poker, there's that fast life, too just being yeah. out in that atmosphere with those people so i get it or at least i would uh i've only been to a casino and played a few times i live here in texas so i went to okay. the kickapoo there's like a indian casino okay. in eagle pass and it, it's fun uh I, I i don't know i i'm not a gambler 
everyone. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's it's fun, but I I'm there like ooh, I that's uh, grocery money for me right there. I've, I'm more of a <laughs> I yeah, I no, just I could it. not see myself gambling like that for sure. But uh, I, I'm unlucky. I'll say that. Uh, I do watch a like I know here in Austin they have that poker lodge. I don't know if you've ever been the to lodge, it. Yeah, yeah it, it seems real nice from what I've seen uh, on the clips. I see, uh, and you had mentioned about uh, women only poker tournaments. Do um do you think that's like a positive thing that they separate women from men? Or I'm, I'm not think... saying they're separating them, but it's not really yeah. a game that is genderly specific to where it's like oh brute strength or anything uh, um you know i think I mean? it's fun for the women to have like their own like thing that they that they can play because for the most part like i think like five percent of all poker players are women that's a mm -hmm. really really small number compared to all of the men that play it's a very like male dominated game mm -hmm. so i think that for them to like give the women their recognition and allow them to play like their own tournament because a lot of these women I mean, there's some really great players. Uh, I'm really good friends with Jamie Vertusio. Angela Jordison is great. I mean, they're just absolute crushers. And it's great that they have their own field away from the men. It's like the seniors event. Like, we're not going to go and, you know, go knock down the seniors. We're not going to go, you know, talk down on the rookies, like when they have their rookies tournaments, which is a little bit more regional. But I think it's good that the women have their own field. Um, I think that I'm going to touch on this subject very, very shortly. There was a man who won or entered and played a uh, women's tournament and then he final tabled it and he was just really disgusting to all of the women at the final table. And I think that it really destroys the integrity of it, of like the purpose of why this field was created. It's just for women because you guys can go and register literally any tournament. Just mm -hmm. give the ladies like a little bit, like just give them their own tournament. It's a lot of fun and you know, when I started playing, I thought it was really intimidating to have to sit down at a table full of men that are just going to stare you down. Some mm -hmm. are really welcoming, but some are really rude. So I would understand, you know, if you have somebody that doesn't play a lot, that just wants to go play their first tournament for a smaller buy-in, then playing the ladies is a way, like, it's a great way to do that. So it's kind of infuriating to let men play these events just because you can't turn them down. You know? Yeah. So. No, and then for him to be a a sore piece of shit like that, like to yeah, and that that gives even more reason why these tournaments should exist Absolutely. where they have women only and men only because you know some people just ruin it like that for everyone. Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, I completely get that. Uh, I was just thinking that too. Um, as far as like a, a woman in. You know, I'm not saying in a man's tournament, but like in the setting where it's like men and versus women or men and not versus women, but yeah. men and women and the same thing. Wouldn't you think that women had would have the advantage over men? Uh, yes and no. It yeah. depends. There are some men that are really nasty at the table and I've encountered a few of those. Um, but. At the same time, there is an advantage. Um, some men are just willing to dump off piles to you just to keep you around a little bit longer. I've experienced it myself. Um, I actually had a really funny um, story was... about something that happened to me over the summer. Uh -huh. um, I went to go play a PLO tournament. And after my table like broke, I got moved from like a really like 
great atmosphere. Like everybody was talking to everybody. Everybody was super nice. And it was all men at my table and they were all super nice. And then I get moved to like a table with like six euros and everybody's just like quiet. Like nobody's talking except the guy next to me. And he was super nice. And everybody else was just like giving you like the death stare, but they were still being nice. Um, and then somebody bust me and this guy like just stands up and starts screaming at the guy who bust me. He's like, why the fuck did you bust her? Like in this thick Russian accent, he's like, why the fuck did you bust her? She has boobs. We have boobs at the table. <laughs> this is great. This is great. This is what I lived for. I thought it was hilarious, but it's just like, sometimes men want to keep you around a little bit longer. So that can be your angle. But sometimes they're also really like rude. So you have to tighten up a little bit better and just play better than them. Some men have really fragile egos and don't like women beating them. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's just a coin flip. Sometimes you're going to get stuck at a table with a bunch of men that are like super friendly. And sometimes you just have that one drunk asshole. That's just super rude. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I don't know, but I use it to my advantage as much that's as I can. Good. No, that's so. fun uh, that you're able to, play into it. it i mean yeah if you have the strength or the assets uh why not play into them you know um absolutely there was a guy that was really uh drunk in cherokee and it's like every hand baby doll baby doll I'm like can you please not call me that like i was already like tired and i was just like i just need to play a little bit longer please stop calling me baby doll and then nick bertucci commented on it because i posted a tweet about it and he's like, honey, just smile and wave and you're baby doll tonight. And I'm like, you know what? If that's what's making me money, I'm baby doll all night. Call me whatever you want. Call me whatever you want. So you just have to no. adapt. Yeah, exactly. There's no shame in that game at all. You know, uh, sometimes I would like, believe me, if I'm playing a video game and I could just keep hitting the boss over and over again, cheesing it like that. Why not? You know, especially yeah. if it's making you money um i i remember uh i tweeted at you and that's kind of where i followed you because you tweeted about inner monologues <laughs> uh and, and, and you had like put a uh what like a poll about it a if poll, people had yeah. inner monologues and i talked to you real quick about it like on the twitter how does your friend say he not have inner monologue like yeah if you're, at a, so if you're even at a poker table you're in your head thinking, i'm talking to myself the entire yeah. time yeah yeah how are you not like what do you hear in your head if you don't hear your own voice so when that happened i was talking to my best guy friend and i was like you know talking about an inner monologue and he's like yeah i don't think i have that and i'm like what and he's like well i can still like visualize stuff like if you tell me like imagine an apple on the table like i can like i can visualize it but like as far as having like a voice in my head like it's just there's nothing and i'm like what and I thought, like, he was just insane. So I text, like, my best friend, Avi, who also plays on Max Payne Monday. I reach out to her, and I'm like, dude, like, so-and-so said that they don't have an inner monologue. Like, what? She's like, no, I don't have one either. And she's like, but it's loud in there. She's like, it's just, like, a bunch of static and, like, you know, just noise. But there's no inner monologue. I'm like, what? Like, I can't get mine to shut up. Like, I'm trying to yeah. get to sleep. And it's like, tomorrow you have to do this. Like, tomorrow, like, you should have done this differently. Like, you, my inner monologue just doesn't shut up she's so loud and i'm like am i losing my mind like am i not normal but everybody's like no we have inner monologues there's very select few that don't have one so it's just like really cool to like pick up their brain a little bit i'm like so you really don't like have anything going on up there like what about when you read like 
What I is know, going I was on? telling you that. But what are the chances that the two people you happen to ask don't have friends. it? Yeah, they don't have it. So you're there losing your mind. Like, am I the yeah, only I'm, one? I'm, I'm, I'm like crazy. Yeah, I I'm know. Like, ran- randomly, I'll be here and I'll just hear in my head, I could buy myself flowers. Me? You know? <laughs> like, you'll just hear in your head the song, yeah. you know? Like, I'll sing to myself. Like, I'll talk to myself. And, like, I thought I was crazy. I was like, okay, but I'm not answering myself. Like, I'm not talking out loud and I'm not answering my own questions. But, like, my inner monologue is very, very loud. Like, I set up my, re- like, my reminders are in my brain. Like, I just, I don't know how people just don't have anything up there. Like, yeah what it, it just yeah. still blows my mind it, it it's true me out too that the two people you happen to ask didn't have it so it's like oh shoot does yeah. no one have this so I was like, you I'm start questioning <laughs> you start questioning reality you know what's it just made me laugh because it's like how do you not like we just said how do you not talk to yourself at the table <laughs> when you're reading when you're just listening to music and you could hear it in your head. I don't know. It's 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 crazy, but I just thought that was funny. When you yeah, that. it made me feel like I was like the abnormal one for a second. I was like, wait, y'all, like I gotta go to Twitter. Twitter, please <laughs> tell me I'm not crazy. I'm not losing my marbles. Like everybody talks to themselves, right? I was like, oh my god, like maybe I'm schizophrenic or something. I was like, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, okay, I'm normal. They're not normal. I'm yeah, normal. yeah, if they're. They're very different. They're a select few <laughs> that just happen to not have that. Um, I wanted to talk, and I didn't want to talk long about this because it sounds like something you've probably uh, discussed at length or somewhere else, but about this Rob Mercer, and you don't have to say anything if you don't want to, but um, what do you think was like, I'll say a motivation. Do you think it was... Um, like the idea of scamming people that got him off or was it gambling addiction? Was it? I think he probably has like a gambling addiction or a drug problem. Um, I'm really not sure, but the fact of the matter is he scammed multiple people. Um, and it's really disgusting that he did. So um, I got a lot of hate and, you know, lashback for that. And I think that people need to understand that literally the day that I told him that I would help him, I was still in the hospital myself. I had a pulmonary embolism. Um, if you watch my first Max Payne stream, I was very quiet compared to the second time that I played on the stream. Um, and I texted Vertucci and I just told him, you know, I'm really, really sick. And that Thursday, I also had a CSOP, the feature bounty that I had already said, you know, yes, I'll be there. And I prayed about it and I was like, God, I promise as soon as I'm done with all of my work commitments, I will go to the hospital. And Friday morning I collapse. Um, I was staying at the MGM and uh, I collapse. I'm in the room alone. I don't know how long I was out. And I call my boyfriend. I'm like, I don't need you to panic, but I need to go to the hospital right now. And he gets there and he's like, what happened? I was like, it collapsed. I don't know how long I was out. I get to the ER and within two minutes of me being there, I'm immediately seen and I'm like, okay, there's something severely wrong. And I remember like being hooked up to magnesium because they had to give me magnesium. I also had, um, so I had a bronchitis flare up. I had an asthma flare up and I had the pulmonary embolism. So I had like three things. I had the whole trifecta going on and I was like really deathly sick. Like I didn't understand how sick I was. Mm -hmm. And I see like Rob Mercer's story. So it's like, I had heard a little bit about it. And in that moment, it's like, okay, like I'm probably going to be on bed rest for a while and I'm not going to be able to play everything that I wanted to play, but you know, 
my story isn't so bad compared to somebody who is claiming that they're terminally ill. And how do you even have like such a delicate conversation about like asking somebody for proof, you know? Like how do you, if somebody tells you that they're terminally ill, like you're gonna take them for that at face value. You're not gonna go mm -hmm. and question it. So to me, it's like, you know, if he only has six months to live, like let's make this happen. Um, and just for him to come out and say that he was like, that he scammed everybody, it was really heartbreaking. Um, he messaged me, or I think we first got in communication on June 16th, which was the day that I was still hospitalized. And then I remember like asking him for proof. Um, and he sent me like a screenshot and, you know, I'm still in the hospital. So I just kind of overlook it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like he is sick. I don't dig into it. Yeah. I don't do my due diligence. And that's where I messed up. But at the time, like I didn't have a huge platform, you know, I was still like, you know, normal I was still on my come up and I don't think that people understood that that I didn't think I had such a big a platform as I did at the moment um and then June 17th there's like a Twitter spaces and I hop on it and he kind of threw me under the bus this is how everybody ended up helping him he threw me under the bus and he said something um about how Ash has already seen proof like I've already sent her my proof and I was like oh yeah like you know he sent me something but I didn't go into specifics about what it was. I was under the impression that other people had also seen proof and it was just a bad game of telephone of he said, she said, and you know, how am I supposed to interrogate somebody and like grill them for like proof? Like, Hey, you're dying. <laughs> Give me the proof. But then you're just being a good person too. Like yeah. it's, you want to take it at his word. Cause you don't, you know what I mean? You don't yeah. think people are that, Especially in the community that you're around, that poker community, you you would hope people weren't that sick to do something yeah, like that. Well, sick-minded to do something like that, you know? Yeah, but I learned my lesson. Um, it definitely made me not want to help out other people. Like, I've had other people, like, reach out to me for fundraisers and just, like, smaller things. Like, hey, like, can you help my classroom with this? Or, like, can you help my classroom with this wish list? And it's, like, as far as that goes, like, I'm done sticking my neck out for anyone because the first time that I did it, it bit me in the ass so bad. No. And, you know, yeah, and I just don't have the time for it right now. Like, I would love to help, but I can't. Um, I feel the most guilty about the fact that it took so much away from Cody Daniels. Um, I don't know if you've heard his story, but I think as of now, even Cody is like in the ICU right now. He's been fighting for his life and he is such a, like, just a sweet person. He has such a kind soul. He's so humble. And throughout all of the help that he received, like, when he played Max Payne Monday, he still donated all of his winnings to make a wish. And I think that that spoke volumes of his character and the fact that it took so much away from him and put the spotlight on Rob. Like, I still feel really bad about that because there was so much more that could have been done for just Cody instead mm -hmm. of him, you know, having to share the spotlight with Rob. And I feel really bad about that, but it is what it is. Um, I've spoken to Cody multiple times and he's like, you know, we were all just trying to help somebody who we thought was dying. And he's like, and I don't blame you for it. So that, that's all I can say about it. Um, he is a disgusting, sick-minded person. And I hope that wherever Rob is at, um, that one day justice is served. Um, that's all I can hope for. I, I believe that in this world, you reap what you sow. And he did a lot of people dirty. And karma will bite him in the ass eventually. So that's no, I, I believe that. No, definitely. And, and even... What 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 makes me sick about it is even you too, with the issues you were going through, 
uh, at that moment and the fact that you have a family that you have, you know, uh, financial obligations to you didn't ever ask for help. You didn't ever, you know, like I'm sure there are a lot of moments where you could have solicited assistance yeah. from the community and they gladly would have given it to you, but you yeah, my- grinded, you grinded from the bottom and you made it, you know? Yeah, I didn't want to, like, depend on that. Like, I didn't think that my situation was as bad. Like, I remember going to the doctor, and they were like, you know, if you had gotten here anywhere from, like, 24 to 72 hours later, like, you probably would have been dead. Like, that blood clot would have traveled to your heart or your brain. Um, And it just made me, like, really grateful for my life in that moment. And it's like, you know, I'm not dead. I'm still here. I have always been really giving. Um... I've always wanted to help others whenever I can, even if I don't have much to offer. Um, So I think that was my way of like trying to help out Rob Mercer and it just bit me in the butt. That's all I can say. It bit me in the ass, but never for one second did I say, you know, let me go start a GoFundMe. Um, I was very open with my parents and I was like, Hey, like I'm struggling with my health issues. Um, My dad was really worried. My brother called me like that same day that I was in the hospital and he's like, I'll get on a flight right now and go to Vegas. And I was like, no, like, don't do that. Like, I'm going to be okay. Um, and it was just really frustrating for me. I was very depressed. Um, I was in bed for like three weeks. I couldn't really do anything. And my whole plan going out to Vegas was that at the halfway point, like at the last week of June, I would fly back home to be with my children for a week and then fly back to finish playing up, um, some events and playing cash. And I couldn't do that. So it's like, I'm in Vegas. I'm stuck in an Airbnb. I'm stuck in a hotel, you know? Cause I was traveling between an Airbnb and a hotel. It's like, I'm stuck out here and I can't even fly home to see my children. Like, what can I do? I couldn't travel for like six weeks. I was um, banned from flying. And like, even now if I fly, I have to wear compression socks because there's always the possibility of another blood clot. Mm-hmm. But my situation still didn't seem as bad as somebody who was claiming that they had, you know, terminal illness or terminal cancer. And it's just disgusting. Um, Twitter. No, yeah. Twitter is a coin flip as well. Um, people can either be <laughs> very nice or people can tear you down. Um, and for the longest, people were like, oh, well, like, Ash is, like, in on the scam. Like, she's getting money from this. And I'm like, I never even met the dude in person. Like, I reached out to him, and he avoided me at all costs. Like, he didn't want anything to do with me. Um, so I felt like I had done my part. I did what I could to get his story out there. And then when I heard back from Bertucci about how he was just being like super ungrateful and super like rude to everybody who had helped him out, it was, it was devastating. I think that's the word. Um, because it's like, we all came together to help you because we think that you're really, really sick and for you to turn around and just be ungrateful about everything that's been given to you. Like, I don't know that I think that's when I started to distance myself. And then like three or four weeks later, it came out that he had scammed everyone. And, um, yeah, it was just, it made me sick. It made me really sick. I remember like crying about it and just being really upset. Like, how could somebody do this? Um, no, it's it goes to, Yeah, it just goes to prove that there's just really sick-minded people out there. Mm-hmm. No, I, I believe it. I know it. And um, I, I hate that you had to, you know, firsthand deal with that. You know, uh, it, it's, it sounds obviously like you don't deserve it, you know, at all. Uh, there's a special place in hell for people Those like kind of him. People. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he'll definitely, if, if he isn't feeling 
some sort of uh, revenge now. He'll definitely, it'll get, you know, you'll feel it at some point yeah. in life or afterwards. Uh, but, you know, and I could I could see why it would sour you to want to help anyone. Yeah. But uh, even especially after that. But I know even just you doing what you're doing, uh, you know, following your dream. I, I feel like it's an inspiration. So I feel like you are helping people. You know, I could tell uh, like my two nieces, like, hey, here's an example of someone following their dream and never give up. And they could actually you know, make it, you know, yes, the, absolutely. the, the Cinderella story, the rags to riches. Uh, the sky's the you, limit. Yeah. And then also I could tell her and um, even from the story too, don't trust people. <laughs> cause yeah, I, no. like, Be I, very careful. Yeah. Cause you know, the world is just, I don't know. It's, it's crazy now. And that's how I've always been uh, real sour like that too. But my mother, you know, made me that way but i i get why you are hesitant but you're still an inspiration don't don't think um you know you're not helping people you know just because of that you know you are just doing what you're doing and yeah i, I thank you so much for the time today you know for yeah, speaking with me and uh, your nails are gorgeous i say that <laughs> i kept <laughs> i kept seeing them when you were there with them my like, god they're they're beautiful uh, but yeah, where where can people find you? Just on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, I am on Twitter um, as Ash Kardash. Um, I think you have a link down below, and then I am on Instagram as well. Um, I have a Facebook, but I decided to keep that a little bit more private because I do post like pictures of my kids. People are really rude, so I try to keep oh, yeah. like my private life completely just like on Facebook, and it's a little bit for family. But you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram for sure. That's great. And I hope uh, nothing but the best for you. Thank you uh, so much. Yeah. Likewise. I hope it keeps. Yeah. I, thank you. I hope you just keep being an example to. Yeah. That, that you can live out your dreams and <laughs> keep going. And, you know, it, it is about faith. Uh, you could say it's luck, but you're really putting in the work and the grind That's to good. make it to. So I, I really love that. But yeah, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you uh, for having and, me on. Yeah. And um, we'll see you all later. Take care, everyone. Right.